wizard, Harry. Welcome to the Harry Potter Book Club for The Half-Blood Prince with Jaya Shrestha, Michael DeMauro, and I'm Sarah Tompkins. This week we discuss Chapter 29, The Phoenix Lament. We'd compare the book to the movie and the Quizzitch Cup starts drawing to an end. Okay, uh, miscellaneous <laughs> for 400, please. The 400? Megan, are we doing that final round where we have to do the thing by ourselves? No, no we're not. Oh, but I do have two bonus questions that I just want to send to the group on and see if you all Do you remember that? That was so scary. Yeah, that was... Yeah. I won that. That one, was so fun for me. Good. That was bad for me. <laughs> I was okay. Was I was list all the. Yeah, I, got, I, got like I got like two. I got like three. So I thought I got three. You got like four. We were there, all good. There were sixteen or something. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we did great. Okay, we know this book. What did Ron running. leave behind during his apparition test that caused him to fail? Ding ding ding. Michael. Half of an eyebrow. Oh, Poor Ron. I knew that. Half an eyebrow. I knew that. Okay. <laughs> You're in the <laughs> Miscellaneous for three. Oh, I can't hug you next. We're competition. <laughs> now you're enemies. Now we're enemies so again. Serious. I know. I know. I know. There's nothing you can do. All right. <laughs> what is the crude method required by Voldemort to gain access to the cave? Beep. <laughs> Blood. Donation? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Say my head as a phrase. Dynamite? Here, but... I don't know. <laughs> Dynamite from Target? <laughs> I mean, he worked there for a long time. Okay? Chapter 29, The Phoenix Lament. Harry is pretty bummed because Dumbledore has died. <laughs> Spoilers! <gasps> Spoilers! <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm sorry. You can't just yes, blurt that Dumbledore out. Dumbledore is a bit of a Jesus Christ figure um, in that he expects a lot of people as vaguely misleading. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Wait, did he go into a cave and come back? Three. He did go into a cave. Is it three days or three years? It's three days, and he did go in. Three days. Okay. He did go into a cave, Bajaya. So but before before his death, not after his death, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? I don't know. It was it I was didn't, technically didn't a, a tomb with Jesus, but there's a cave, there's a tomb. Anyway, Gandalf, whatever. Uh, so anyway, uh, Hagrid is trying to comfort Harry. It's not working. He's like, "Don't worry about it. You're okay." Even though Hagrid is crying, Harry doesn't want to hear it. But somebody grabs his hand and starts leading him back to the castle, and he realizes halfway to the castle that it's Ginny. Ginny apparently is one who can comfort him. Aww. Oh, so sweet. It's so nice that she's looking out for him. He's really worried because he saw other people had fallen, well, you know, in the fight, and he was thinking that other people were dead. And he remembers Bill was on the ground, and he's like, Bill, Bill. 
And then Ginny assures him that Bill is alive. That's good. But when she says it, Harry can tell that something is wrong. And she says that he's a bit of a mess because Greyback attacked him. Yeah, he won't look the same anymore because it was really a brutal attack. And they have no clue whether he's going to become a full-blown werewolf, half a werewolf, quarter werewolf, a teen wolf. We don't know. Because... (laughs) Is he still handsome, though? That is a matter of opinion. Oh, I, yeah, I guess, yeah. You're but, right. uh, but he was, there's no way to know whether he's going to be full-blown blown werewolf because Greyback was not transformed when he attacked him. Greyback's just a weirdo freak who was a human and bit him. So there's clearly going mm-hmm. to be something bad with it. They just don't know because there's no cure for werewolf bites. Uh, there were other bodies on the ground too, Neville, Flitwick, but apparently they're all okay. They're recovering in the infirmary. No one has died. Uh, and actually, Jenny's like, lucky. it's kind of crazy that no one died. Everything seemed to miss us. I'm thinking that's the Felix Felicius because it was pure luck that we didn't die. Yeah. Which is a pretty yeah. good time to save it. And isn't Harry glad that he didn't waste that on uh, Ron being a Quidditch player? Just saying. <laughs> that's true. When they get up to the, the infirmary, Harry sees Bill. Bill does not look great he's Hmm. pretty ravaged and even lupin is not sure whether uh bill's gonna become like a full ass werewolf or not because there's not really been a lot of documented cases of somebody who's attacked a werewolf who's attacked someone while they were still in human form um but the wounds are still Hmm. cursed uh they try to heal them but they wouldn't heal so they're still cursed and they'll never fully heal and ron says well clearly dumbledore can help him dumbledore can do anything also ron Er, and he's like, he's like, also, Dumbledore totally owes Bill because Bill has done so much and almost gave his life to this. Uh, yeah, it leads to a pretty awkward situation, as you can imagine. Uh, in the silence, it is Ginny who tells Ron that Dumbledore is dead. Lupin loses it. He starts sobbing, which is always really startling what? when you're a young child or a relatively young child and adults start losing it. You're just like, this is bad. Nothing is good here. Yeah. Ron doesn't believe it. Uh, uh. Doesn't believe that Dumbledore is dead. Uh, but Harry confirms he, that he, he seems so infallible. Yeah, uh, he seemed immortal. But Harry does confirm that he is dead and that Snape was the killer. Ugh. It can't and be. And there's all sorts of shouting and be. crying. And Ginny's like, shh, shh, shh. She's comforting Madame Pomfrey and she tells them all to quiet down because somewhere in the distance they can hear a song. It is Bahudore. It's the Sous, guys. They're That's here to not save Christmas. True. Uh, no, it's a it's a phoenix. Book is she reading? Jaya, do you know what book she's reading? Uh, I think she's reading the wrong one. I was one. reading How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Is that not what we were reading? No. No. I mean, I was. I guess Michael's yeah, reading the wrong one. Michael. Then. So how... Are you confused about the ro- roast beast? <laughs> um, okay. So anyway, so they hear phoenix singing. It's a very sad song. Clearly, this phoenix is lamenting. It's Fox, obviously. The song is incredibly powerful to the point where it feels as though it's singing inside their bodies and then it's easing a little bit of their pain. Not entirely, obviously, but it's sort of a healing, a healing gift, right? McGonagall gets to the infirmary and she's also clearly worse for the wear. She's all, you know, tattered, battered, but she's okay. She lets everyone know that Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are on their way. And she asks Harry what happened because Hagrid had told her that she was with him when it happened, assuming 
that she means Dumbledore's death, but she doesn't say, she just says it happened. Harry confirms that he was and that Snape perpetrated the murder. McGonagall- It can't be real, Yeah, though. McGonagall can't believe it. Dumbledore trusted him. They all trusted him because Dumbledore trusted him. Lupin reminds him that Snape was really proficient in occlumency, or occlumency and- that they should have all known that he could protect his mind and they wouldn't know what was happening. And it's a fair point that he has, but at the same time, they all just went on Dumbledore's word and trusted him. So I guess what you're going to do. Tonk says that she wishes she knew what information Snape had given Dumbledore that made Dumbledore trust Snape so implicitly. And Harry says that he knows that it was that that Snape Snape told Dumbledore that he told Voldemort, that is Snape told Voldemort, the info to hunt down Harry's mom and dad. And when he told Dumbledore that he'd given Voldemort that information, he told Dumbledore that he felt truly horrible about it and that he would never forgive himself, blah, 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 blah. And Dumbledore's like, oh, he does feel really bad about it. <sighs> Dumbledore really believed him on that. Uh, Harry's not so sure. McGonagall thinks that it was her fault that Dumbledore has died because Flitwick told, she told Flitwick to tell Snape very, you know, blah, blah, blah. She told Flitwick to tell Snape that help was needed because she heard that there were Death Eaters there. Apparently, Dumbledore had told the order that they should patrol the school while he was out for a few hours. And everyone is wondering, well, not everyone, but clearly, at least McGonagall is asking, how did the Death Eaters even get into the school? There's a million different curses and wards and guards and all sorts of security put up. We were patrolling everything. We didn't see them at any entrances. I have no idea how they got here. Harry knows, though. Harry has that answer, too. He says, yo, it was a vanishing cabinet. And they're all like, (laughs) what? And he says, yeah, a vanishing cabinet in the room of requirement. Obviously, did you not see this? Why do we even have this room? Why is this room even there? <laughs> it does seem like a security threat. So when he says that, Harry sort of has like a little moment where he's a little bit redeemed because Ron is really apologetic because he was like, yeah, I probably should have realized that you are right about Malfoy sooner. It was totally Malfoy doing this stuff. So apparently Ron, Neville, and Ginny were watching the Room of Requirement because they were told to look out for Malfoy on the Marauder's map, but they couldn't see him anywhere. Therefore, he must be in the Room of Requirement. Yeah. So they go and they stand outside the Room of Requirement. However... All of a sudden, Malfoy emerges from the Room of Requirement with this shriveled old lucky hand, uh, the Hand of Glory, and suddenly everything goes pitch black. Ron says, it was the Peruvian darkness pattern that my brothers sell. Uh. They need to check who they're supplying their weapons to. Weasley's wizard, Weasley's. There's all sorts of weird questions, as we've talked about, like where you have censorship, where you have permits. It's a whole thing. But maybe Peruvian darkness powder should not be available to the general public. Just saying. Anyway, Mm. they had this powder, but because Ron, or excuse me, because Malfoy was holding the shriveled old hand of glory, it gave him protection, essentially. So he could actually see through that. So Malfoy got through while they were disoriented and they kept trying all these, they tried all these like spells and all this stuff to try and uh, clear the way so they could see, but nothing was working. Um, And in fact, it was at that moment that Lupin and the Order happened to run into Ranjini and Neville. And they said, hey, very lucky. So lucky. He said, and I believe <laughs> Lupin says, as luck would have it. Um, so they run into them. They say, hey, this happened with Malfoy. And at that minute, Death Eaters are 
leaving the room of requirement and they're going to the astronomy tower. So the order's on that, right? This whole time, as you may have noticed, Hermione has not been involved in this tale. This whole time, Hermione and Luna have been outside. I mean, Hermione's there at this point, but during this tale, Hermione and Luna are outside Snape's office where nothing has happened at Hmm. all. Ron had the map, so they had no idea where anybody else was. At midnight, Flitwick comes running down to the dungeons, shouting about Death Eaters. You may remember McGonagall's earlier comment about how she felt guilty, that she was responsible for Dumbledore's death because she told Flitwick to go down and tell Snape. So this was that series of events. So I feel like I feel like we need to be on the episode of uh, Always Sunny where Charlie Charlie has the red uh, string around the map. Oh, in then, the office. Yeah. <laughs> this is it, this leads all the way to the middle. <laughs> for sure Snape comes hurtling out of his room he sees Hermione and Luna he says hey Flitwick collapsed in all of the horror and excitement collapsed you need to go help him and Hermione says of course and so they go to help him but now in retrospect Hermione feels real bad because she says she should have realized that he clearly confounded or he did something to Flitwick to cause him to collapse he's not dead he's fine But still, they should have known and not trusted him. Lupin says, no, 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 you had to obey Snape no matter what, because he probably would have killed you if you hadn't listened to him. So it's good you did, which is a very disturbing thing to say about a professor. But whatever. Meanwhile, the Order is fighting the Death Eaters. Things aren't looking good for them. Bill is down. Malfoy, who knows where the F he is. Neville is thrown up into the air. There are There's this huge Death Eater just jinxing the shit out of everything. Half the ceiling falls in, and then they run forward. And in that moment, Snape and Malfoy emerge from the dust. And Tonks says, we just let them pass. Because we thought that they had been attacked by the Death Eaters too, and that Snape was trying to get Malfoy out of that situation. So we just let them pass. Mm. And she said, and then also in that moment, I heard Snape shout something. And Harry says, yes. Snape yelled, it's over. Meaning he done yeah. did what he set out to done do. Which was Dumbledore. Killed Dumbledore. Mm. That is he did he Dumbledore. Did, he done did Dumbledore. He done did Dumbledore in, I guess. Ugh, so this whole story is happening. Fox, still singing. Still very sad. And Harry, you know, in this moment of quiet after this whole story, is thinking about Dumbledore's body. Where was it? Was somebody taking care of it? What was happening to it? Was it just lying there on the ground? In that moment, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley arrive. It's That's just a very strange little moment of this sort of weird contemplation of mortality in the middle of a chaotic chapter. And it kind of disturbed me. But anyway, then Mr. and Mrs. Weasley arrive. Flirts with them. Mrs. Weasley is so upset about Bill. She gives him a kiss like a good mom would. And she's like, oh, my beautiful boy. Oh, my son. They massacred my son. Uh, no, the Godfather. He's not dead. My boy, no, what is it? My is boy. That, what is that did- some sort of weird reference? Yep. What is it? It's my boy. Look what they did to my boy. They massacred sure. my boy. No. But he's not massacred. He's still alive. Well, you can still be massacred. I mean, Sonny was dead in, in Godfather, but... Oh, uh, well... Anyway, okay. Mr. Mr. Weasley can't believe that Dumbledore is actually dead, so he asks everyone there. They confirm it. Ginny is watching Fleur to see how she's reacting to Bill. because And Harry's noticing that Ginny... Literally, this passage is, Harry is looking at Ginny, who's looking at Fleur, who is looking at Bill. Oof, it's a lot. <laughs> who's looking at Mrs. Weasley, who's looking at Mr. Weasley. Honestly, at- Mrs. Weasley crying. 
She says, my son was so handsome and he was going to be married. And Fleur's like, wait a second, going to be the married? Do you what do you mean? What's happening? Why am I not getting, why are we not getting married? This and is so actually one of my favorite It's um, a good, it's a good part. moment, especially because Fleur, yeah, I love this, this part bit. is yeah. fabulous because Fleur, the first thing she says, she goes, you don't, you think because he's got all bit up that he won't love me anymore? You think because he's a werewolf, he won't love me anymore? And I like that she thinks it's about her or, or like her in the sense Him, that, yeah, but, yeah. but, but her in the sense that, that he won't love her anymore. Yeah. And then she realizes that obviously Mrs. Weasley meant because she, Flair will think he's unattractive. Yeah. And she says the best line, which is, I'm good look. I'm good enough looking for the both of us, which is maybe the best <laughs> I, line in this series. It's so good. I also like the fact that she finally, like, obviously throughout the whole, like, their engagement and dating process, she would have had to known that they didn't really care for her. Right. And she finally, like, blurts out. What she wants maybe to you right. wished that he wouldn't love me anymore. Right, and exactly, like, and it, that's yeah. cl- and she. It's not. She's dumb. She understands what's happening. She understands yeah. what's happening. But I just love that she goes. I'm looking good enough, looking for the both of us. And she says that the only things the scars on his face say to her is that he's really brave. She goes. My husband is so going to be is so brave. Mrs. Weasley in that moment realizes that Fleur actually loves Bill. So it's kind of a beautiful moment. And she, you know, getting all choked up, says that her family has this heirloom that's a gobble made tiara and it would look lovely on Fleur. Fleur, instead of saying F you for not trusting me, says that, thank you, I can't wait, I'm sure it will look lovely on me. Then they both start sobbing. Fleur is a a very good person. I love Fleur. Yeah, Fleur is great. But also the thing is, she's so... She's not maligned per se, but you have all there's. I feel like there's a lot of sh- because she's like beautiful and French or whatever. There's this. I mean, they call her Flam. Yeah, exactly. Well, they call like. they they malign her for sure. But I mean, even in the fourth book when we meet her, she right. she. I mean, she's strong enough to be in the tri or the Triwizard Tournament. But then she also, when Harry saves her sister, is so grateful and doesn't care that she lost because she just was glad her sister is safe. And, you know, I mean, like you know, it's just. She, she has yeah. these good moments, and I just love it. Anyway, this is a beautiful display. And Tonks yeah. has reached her damn breaking point. She turns to Lupin. Hey, tell us. And she says, see, he's been bitten, and she still wants to marry him. And Lupin says, oh, it's different. Bill's not a full werewolf. And Tonks literally grabs him by the robes and shakes him, and is like, I don't care. And all of a sudden, it all clicks into place for Harry. He realizes... All of the sad shit that Tonks has gone through this year, her 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 crappy hair, her new Patronus, her there was she was freaking out because they heard someone was attacked by Greyback and she she couldn't deal with that. Tonks didn't fall in love with her cousin. Serious. She was in love with That's Lupin. Very weird. <laughs> I mean, if this was Regency if this was Regency if this was Regency era, it would be normal. But she was in love with Lupin this whole time. Man. Yeah, Yay. and Lupin says, I'm too poor, I'm too old, I'm dangerous. And Mrs. Weasley disagrees. She says, oh, pish posh. Tonks, he says, uh, oh, Lupin says, deserves somebody who is young and whole. And Mr. Weasley says, life, beauty, youth are all fleeting. Check out my young, hot son, who is now only young and my son. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, young. <laughs> young and my son, no yeah. longer hot. <laughs> I mean, it's basically what happens. <laughs> this is my young son. <laughs> my young, not hot son. Um, he's still alive, though. So, all this happens. It's very telenovela and beautiful. Now, 
Dumbledore's dead. McGonagall, who was deputy headmistress, has now become full headmistress. Uh, so therefore, Dumbledore's office is now McGonagall's office. So they, she and Harry go to Dumbledore's slash now McGonagall's office. Fox is still there, crying. Very sad. There's a new portrait on the wall, though. Dumbledore slumbering. Oh, in a, how does that work? It's like it's magic. Whoa. Uh, so Dumbledore Michael, is slumbering in a golden frame. He looks super peaceful. That's great. McGonagall asks what he and Dumbledore were doing before they left the school. Or what they were doing, excuse me, what they were doing when they left the school. So where they went to. He says he can't tell her, even though it is very important. Uh, She insists that because he died, he should tell her now. And he says, just because Dumbledore's dead doesn't mean I should break his promise. But there is one Mm -hmm. thing you should know. And that is that Madame Rose Myrna was under the Imperious Curse. So she was responsible for the necklace that hurt Kitty Bell, the poison in the me that hurt Ron, but, you know, not really responsible because she was under the Imperious, but she was being Imperious. So that's what happened. Yeah. Like, that's something you should probably know. I like how that's the first thing that Harry thinks to tell her after all of this confusion. I don't think I would have thought about that. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe, but it just seems pretty good of him to like be that resourceful and think of that. Yeah. At that moment, Professor Sprout, Professors Sprout, Flitwick, and Slughorn come into the office, followed by Hagrid, who is crying a lot. Slughorn is stunned that it was Snape. He's, he's like, bemoaning. He's like, I taught him. Dude, you also taught Voldemort. I, yeah. I, I'm just, he's really confused. He's like, how could Snape do this? I taught him. I guess he knows that Voldemort is bad, but he thought that Snape was maybe good. Right, but, but, he's, so. but he's literally just bemoaning. I taught, it wasn't even, I thought he was good. He goes, I taught him. I can't believe he did something <laughs> so bad. I taught him. <laughs> Okay, dude. Whatever. I do like that Hagrid doesn't um, give in to the whole boys aren't supposed to cry thing. He's oh, very Hagrid, emotional. And Hagrid I'm is here incredibly for it. in touch with his emotions and has been in every book. He feels. Yeah, and I'm here Hagrid for it. I is, love it. Hagrid is giant and he feels so deeply. He feels as big he as he is. What a coward. Emotions. Wow. He has wow. emotions times 1,000. <laughs> he does. Please uh, tweet at Michael at. Yeah, don't. Anyway, uh, so McGonagall doesn't think the school should open next year. Why are you crying right now, Michael? I'm not. <laughs> I'm a sympathetic crier. Um, uh, <laughs> McGonagall doesn't think the school should open next year. Flitwick thinks it should because Dumbledore wanted to. Slughorn, while he thinks that Hogwarts is safe and is the safest place to be, does think that mothers will want to have, be close to their families and their children, so he doesn't blame them for sending, not wanting to send them, and he doesn't think that they will want to, so therefore they should not keep the school open, which is a pretty thoughtful reason. and reasonable feeling. Where uh, else would feeling. they go? I mean, stay home, because the moms are like, nah, I'm not letting you go there. Moms. I will say, though, kids. that in these books, the majority of the attacks have been at Hogwarts, so they that's keep true. saying it's the safest yeah. place, and statistically, I think that's not true. It's <laughs> hard to, oh, I think, hard to I think, prove I think that. They've only, been like, they've only been like three students that have died in the last six years. True. Only three. Yeah, that's like nothing. That's nothing. So. McGonagall uh, asks Hagrid what he thinks. He said... He's like, oh, no, no, it's, a, it's up to the heads of house and you to decide. She says that Dumbledore always respected his decision. It's my home. Their kids, uh, he's like, it's a, he's always been my home. It's a really beautiful moment. If there are kids who want me to teach them, I will. Even though it won't be hmm. the same without Dumbledore. Sweet Hagrid. Flitwick and McGonagall decide that they should consult the governess to make the final decision. 
I don't know. The fuck is the governess? I don't know. Maybe I misheard something or misread something. Now that's in my notes. That's the way it is. Shh. I think the, min- maybe, I th- well, the minister. Maybe well, I think like it, has a- to do, it has to do with the board. Like a board. Yeah, I was going to say maybe there's yeah. a board that handles. Yeah, I think it's the Hogwarts yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah like it's, some, it's some weird thing. There's like a final decision maker outside of the school. That's fine. It's me. I'm the uh, governess. By the way, I capitalized final decision at first. Do not capitalize those two words. It gets real fascist and real creepy real fast. Um, I was like, ooh. Anyway, uh, so they need to get the ho- students home fast regardless because shit's gone down. Their headmaster is dead. Parents are going to start freaking out. They better start shipping those kids out and making a plan for it. But then Harry asks what's going to happen with Dumbledore's funeral. And McGonagall didn't even think about that. Um, apparently, it was, Google. apparently it was, I know. Apparently, I mean, she's, she has her, their well-being. She has their well-being at heart. So it makes sense. Apparently, it was Dumbledore's wish to be laid to rest at Hogwarts. Hmm. However, no other headmaster or headmistress has ever been buried at Hogwarts. All the professors in the room, though, agreed that he deserved to be buried there because hmm. he did so much for Hogwarts. He lived his life for Hogwarts. Nothing at Hogwarts would ever be the same without him. Uh, they also agree upon Harry's insistence, but also after thinking about it, that students will want to say goodbye to him. Yeah. In that moment, the Minister of Magic is coming. All the portraits are abuzz with it. So Rufus Scrimjaw will be there soon. Harry's like, I'm going to peace real fast. He gets the heck out of there. Harry heads to the Gryffindor common room. He gets to the fat lady. <laughs> the fat lady is sobbing. She asks if Dumbledore is really dead. He confirms that he is. She is inconsolable. She lets him in without a password. Not the time to do it, lady. I'm just saying. The common room is crowded when Harry gets in there, but Harry goes straight to the boys' dorm. In the boys' dorm room, Ron is sitting there. Ron asks him if he got the Horcrux, and Harry says that it wasn't there. Someone had already taken it. The fuck? Yeah, Ron is like, what? After all that shit? Uh, he shows Ron the fake locket, and Ron asks who R.A.B. is. Who is Rab? We don't know. Rab's is what I used to call my sister. Or I still do. A lot of time. Rabbers. Harry says he thinks he will never be curious again. That is very... He needs to go see a counselor. Yeah, that's pretty Yeah, dark. he needs to go see a counselor. Harry also in that moment realizes that not only is he not curious, that Fox has stopped singing. And he just knows in his heart of hearts the Fox is gone. Fox has left the school. Fox left just as Dumbledore had left. Had left the school. Had left the world. And had left Harry. So... Fox is, like, dead? No. Fox just went away. Well, you said Fox has left the world. No, just as Dumbledore had left the world. Oh, okay. And Dumbledore had left Harry. It was very sad. He just is like, Fox left the school just like Dumbledore left the school. Just like Dumbledore left the world. Just like Dumbledore left me. What if Fox is like, I can finally be free. Peace out, you bitches. Probably. Fox is going to have a great life and marry another phoenix. And they're going to have... Phoenix babies. Maybe. Or adopt phoenix babies. I don't know. Or maybe they're just going to travel because they don't want to have babies. Anyway. Yeah. Whatever their lifestyle is. I support their phoenix lifestyle. I'm sorry, but I believe no, don't marriage is between a male phoenix and a female phoenix, and that's it. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Phoenix Steve, okay? <laughs> phoenix or- Steve Phoenix Steve is Fox's cousin, who he does not talk to. I make a lot of jokes on, on this show, and that was the worst one. That was the, was worst, that one. the worst one. You should be ashamed of it. Yeah, no, that was bad. 
It was bad. But we all know it's a joke and that you are supportive of all Phoenix lifestyles. Please please don't tweet at me. Like, I will cry. (laughs) He will cry because Hagrid told him it's okay to cry. Um, so that was the end of the chapter, guys. That was a lot of chapters, it was- Sarah. I am so sorry for telling you that your chapter <laughs> might not be a lot. <laughs> it was a lot of chapter. We learned so much stuff. I can't even do, like, new stuff. I was like, in my new stuff so far, I wrote Phoenix Song and Werewolf Hybrid. But then we also have the revelation that Tonks and Lupin have been secretly madly in love this whole time. And we have revelations that just... I don't know everywhere. There's so much stuff. It's just everything is, is happening. I have a question. What is the um, age gap between Lupin and Tonks? Do we know? Um, I can I can Google it really fast. It's probably my guess is at least twenty years. Twenty years? I think so. Right? He's got to be like he's got to be fifty, and she's probably thirty. That's my guess. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. Maybe no. Maybe he's he, forty. He's, maybe he's, he's forty and she's thirty. Maybe it's ten years. Yeah, I think it's closer to that. Because I mean, I have a sixteen-year-old, uh, and I'm not fifty. Aren't you? Though? That's true. They did have Harry pretty young, so they probably had Harry when they were like, I would say, let's say twenty-one, right? And Harry is sixteen, so they'd be thirty-seven. Okay, it says maybe Lupin was like, oh, that is not the not the right Lupin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's say let's say he's like thirty seven, right? Is that what we're saying? Sure, I think that's what. We're, sure, yes. Wait, he's at least thirty seven. So we'll say we'll yeah, say sure. thirty nine, thirty eight. Let's say okay. thirty eight. Let's say thirty eight. And Tonks is probably in her late twenties, early thirties. So that's not that bad. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I did find out today that y'all know who. Okay, so maybe he was born in like. I think it's like 13 years because James Potter was supposedly born on 1960 and Tonks was born on maybe like 1973. Okay, 13 years. That's not terrible. Uh, why is he? Why was he freaking out so much then? 13 years is not that bad. Um, y'all know who Dennis Quaid is? Yes, today yeah. he did in fact get engaged to a 26-year-old. Yes, I did see that. His Who is younger than his son she was five years old when the parent trap came out oh jesus christ yeah <laughs> it's like not, literally it's his, not half, right. of his, half of his age is 32 and a half and she is 26 it's and not. his oldest son zach is 27 she's gonna be rich though she, she is gonna be rich so i don't know i don't know the relationship seems creepy on the outside but if Maybe it's consensual, if it's consensual, they are adults. I will say that. Hi, everyone. Sorry to interrupt. The host got a little sidetracked during a debate that they were having and ended up forgetting where they were in the episode. So I'm going to leave you with the closing of the episode and we'll go from there. I'm sure the audio will eventually come out of this debate as possibly a Kickstarter reward. So, enjoy! I will say all of that was a scathing, a scathing commentary on our public, or, or excuse me, our private uh, higher education system. For sure. What are um, penises and vaginas? 
Um, so thanks for listening to that really long chapter, you guys. Uh, if you have any of their questions, write to me. You too. Not not anybody in the audience. Just like you guys have to actually write me a physical letter, and I will answer them. Uh, I love next okay. season. I love podcast. writing letters, so expect one soon. All right. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Um, R.I.P. Dumbledore. Thank you. Rip. Spoilers. Spoilers. That movie, huh? Guys, that was a long movie. They're all very long. Every one of them is really long. I feel like like this one was long, but wasn't as engaging to me. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't being fair. Maybe it wasn't being I, fair. I started watching it on Friday night. I think I, excuse me, I watched like 30 minutes of it. And the first text I sent to Megan was, this movie is so bad. And she mm. was like, it is really bad movie. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And um, then I finished the rest of it last night. I started watching it and I fell asleep. So then I had to start watching it again. And I think this is every season. Yeah, I fall asleep during every movie pretty much. So that's actually not that much of a um a slight against the movie. Actually, I fell asleep in movie theaters not that long ago. Man, yeah. So old. Guys, do you know how long it chapter two is? It is a very long movie. And when you go and see an eleven at night showing for a three hour movie, it's not a good idea. Yeah, you don't want to do that. But um, this one was this was pretty long. Um, It was this. I I will say though, I feel like I did admire the set design and production a lot in it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was very beautiful. I mean, it gets better every movie. Um, It's very stylized by this movie for sure. My first note on my phone for this movie is: I hate Harry's hair split in the middle. (laughs) <laughs> I was I, I feel like this movie in uh, in movies passes bother me but in this movie in particular they almost never ever wear robes they're almost always wearing muggle clothing and That's it actually true. really it yeah. really really bothered me in this movie I mean it's been developing over the over the years but in the very least like in the third they were wearing you know their shirt and ties but then they had the robe over it and then in the fourth movie, they had a lot of try with their stuff, but they were pretty much always wearing their robes over whatever they're wearing. This one, they didn't even wear robes half the time. They were literally just wearing um, sweatshirts and, and pants. And it it really bothered me. I, I feel like they were going for this sort of, um, here's how you relate to these people, because look at, they're 16 or 15, just like you are, you know? Yeah. But mm. it, it took me out of, even when they were at Hogwarts, it kind of took me out of the magic a little bit. I get it. My fourth, yeah. my fourth note is I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely didn't hate. I didn't. Like, I, don't, I I would go ahead. Sorry. No, I. I mean, I guess I don't really super. What What this podcast has taught me, if anything, is that I don't super love these movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I always feel bad when I'm critical of these movies in our podcast, but at the same time, they're not, especially when you read the book and then you immediately watch the movie. Right. And I guess that's part of the thing is too is that. I even though I've read the books many times, I don't know how many times I've actually 
read the book, then immediately gone and watched the movie. And when you do them in comparison like that, it's real stark. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I definitely wrote down that I hate the way like Harry is introduced in the movie. So I think it's because I had just gotten done reading the book and like being fresh off the book and then going to the movie. I've never done that before. I don't think so. Is it because he was picking up that hot chick? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I was really jealous. I was like, why isn't that me? No, that <laughs> I just don't like the way it was. He was introduced into the movie. Yeah, um, I remember like at the time because I think most of these movies I've seen, like, I saw like in the theater and then probably never again. Mm. Um, and I th- I remember. Yeah, I think that's same with me too. I've like liking them a lot at the time, but I think that was more of just like I can't believe they made this book that I love, and there's actually a movie or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. I think I watched the first. I would say I think I watched the first four movies a lot because mm-hmm. they were on, especially when I was in college. They were on. Was it what was it? ABC Family was it Fox Family? What Freeform? What was it at the time? I it's ABC. It's ABC. Family. Well, it used to be Fox Family. Then it was ABC Family. Now it's Freeform, whatever. But anyway, they do the the Harry Potter thing at Halloween Marathons, time, and then also yeah. at Christmas. Um, and mm. I used to watch them all the time. But it was really only they only really had the rights to the first four movies when I was in college, mm. sort of thing. And it's funny because I only own movies one through four, and so I had to I had to rent this one too. Oh, but, I know. But I actually was one of the things it's really interesting looking at it from sort of um, sort of uh, scene succession of the book. It would have been a better movie than it was because I think that they were trying to explain things too much as they went along in the movie. So, for instance, when Harry and Hermione and Ron are in uh, Nocturne Alley. Uh, looking into Borgen and Burks in the movie, they see Malfoy with the vanishing cabinet. And I thought that that was, in the book, such a cool thing because you don't have any idea about the vanishing cabinet. You don't know what he's going after. You know, I just I think that they're, they're trying to weave in that story, which I understand in some ways why they're doing it because it's probably a little bit harder to explain. But I do think that they could have built up that suspense a little bit more. There was no, there's no mystery to anything. We knew what was happening at any time, right? Yeah, which I thought was unfortunate. Yeah. Right. Like, they definitely had to dumb that stuff down a little bit because, like, like a book reader can be like, oh, I remember Montague was in that thing or, you know, whatever the, whatever the bit was in the last book and you're like, oh, shit, that was there the whole time whereas you're just never going to get that in the movie. Yeah, but but even but even in this one, even in the book, the vanishing cabinet is they, he's in Borgen and Burks at the beginning of the book, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't know what he's there for, and that's when Hermione goes in and tries to be really sleek and is like, "What about this thing? Is this put on hold by Malfoy?" Kind of thing, you know. Um, so even the vanishing cabinet isn't. It's not you don't. I don't think you have to have prior knowledge of prior movies slash books. I think that they still could have written it. That yeah. they didn't know what he was getting in Borgen and Burks, and then having that vanishing cabinet, and, and also I don't feel like the vanishing cabinet was even that explained that well. Right. No. And for as much as they built it up, I don't know. It was weird. And in the, along the same lines, I hated the. I did not. Um, I hate is a strong word. I didn't like the fact that uh, Greyback and a bunch of other people were in the store with him, knowing his plans. Right. right. Where, like, in the book, it was, like, super secret. He was trying to do it all by himself and stuff. 
it's a very like small thing, but what what was striking to me was sort of the whole end sequence, which is in the book is like frantic and bombastic and crazy mm-hmm. and there's people fighting everywhere and explosions. Harry gets the shit knocked out of him like 17 times. Mm-hmm. And like the movie, it's, it's like quiet. Slow. Mm-hmm. It's like slow and yeah. quiet. And I don't know. It does, it does not feel nearly as exciting as the book felt to me. And that could just be like, the, it's too hard to do in this medium. But I feel like it's, it should be the opposite. Like, I feel like it, the movie would be really good at doing. Yeah. That. No, I think I think you're right, especially at, at, when Dumbledore uh, is killed by Snape. It happens. I mean, I think I don't know if they were trying to speak to some sort of starkness of life and death or something, which I do not think that that movie, this movie, was capable of. And if they were trying to do that, they didn't have enough um, gravitas through the rest of the movie to actually make that a point. But it happens so fast and is so anticlimactic mm-hmm. and. I, I couldn't believe it had happened so fast that it just felt it felt weird and sort of jarring and not not it didn't feel purposeful in a weird way. Yeah. In the book, it's so it builds and it builds and it builds, right. you know, kind of thing. And it feels like Harry from the cave to that moment, it just keeps the crescendo is there. And I don't think that that's in the movie at all. I think so for the death part, I think the actual death part is well done because it's just like in a moment, like in two seconds, he's dead. But I think leading up to it is what they were like. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's right. like, well, obviously, I mean, I think I think you're right. I think I think that him just being like a Vaticanaver to be yeah. dead. Yes, it's in a moment. But I think, Building but it happens. Up to it, yeah, it, like literally, they just run up the tower and he's dead, and it, it just happens like so fast. And but but it doesn't feel. Again, if they were trying to make the point that life is fleeting and that even Dumbledore is has has shortcomings oh, well, and can be yeah. killed. I don't think the movie earned that. Does he you know I, what I mean? I think they really did Draco a disservice in not maybe putting more information or like doing a longer they didn't have to put everything that happened between Draco and Dumbledore because I understand it's a movie. But I think they did Draco's character and Dumbledore um the interaction between them in the book a disservice by not maybe putting a couple more things in there about like what Draco did, tried to do and why he did it. And like the, like the tension between them and tension in, in himself. Right. Uh, did Dumbledore, I'm trying to remember if Dumbledore pleaded with Snape at all, like in the book where he's like, please. please." Okay. I just felt like the whole thing was so much, shorter you know so in the movie yeah actually i think so too the interaction between snape and um dumbledore was about the same as the book yeah yeah draco and there's just so much other stuff that builds up to it yeah there was Um, a lot other stuff with the other death eaters that which i'm okay with them leaving it out but yeah that that didn't need to necessarily be there but uh, there's, uh, I was gonna say something else, but even, even when he was dead, we didn't see a funeral. Right. Yeah. There was no was phoenix right. song. There was no portrait. There was, there was nothing. No giant. It just felt. It felt. I couldn't believe. It just felt so. The movie abrupt. felt so so long, and then it felt so abrupt at the yeah. end. Yeah. And 
I couldn't help but wonder. Like, even even the Half Blood Prince stuff throughout the book was pretty minimal. Um, and I know that there was a lot of other stuff that they needed to work through, but it just there was. I felt that there were so many things that could have easily been been cut mm. that could have lent to more time at the end to make it more impactful. It just it literally, I was like, this movie is so long. I can't believe we only just got to Dumbledore dying, and then all of a sudden it was over. All right. I don't know. It was weird. Oh, the um. Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the fight at the borough was really stupid. I don't know why they put that in. Yeah, that was weird. Why would they put that? It took so long. Why would they put that in, but then like cut other shit out from the book? I I don't know. Who missed to say? I don't know. D&D from Game of Thrones just went in there for two seconds. (laughs) Um, The... I felt like the the feeding Dumbledore the potion thing fell kind of flat too. Mm-hmm. Like that was gut wrenching in the book. Yeah, and I did not feel nearly as impactful in the movie to me. Yeah, because he was uh, flashbacking to his older years. Yeah, that was that should have been more emotional, and it wasn't. It, well, it was weird because one thing too that I noticed in that scene was because that is such. I, I I covered the chapter where they went to the cave, mm-hmm. and I think it's a great chapter because it's really, really, really engaging in terms of the scary aspects, but then it's also the emotional impact of Dumbledore crying and doing all of this is really horrible mm-hmm. and horrifying, right. yeah. and Harry is really strong to have you know, complied and really shown how strong he is as a person, how much he trusts Dumbledore to to keep doing this horrible thing to him, right? But they tried to do this, and I also, I love zombies, um, but they tried <laughs> to do this thing in the movie where they tried to make it, first of all, you get to this incredible sweeping cliff that they had a picture of, apparently, uh, in the orphanage, which I thought was kind of weird, because why would he have a picture of the place that he went to? But I, I guess you could. I don't know. He's an orphan, but who knows? Um, but then... They tried to do this weird sort of editing thing that wasn't in the rest of the movie. It was literally only in the cave where they did these quick sudden edits that were sort of horror movie-esque, but they didn't actually have any impact or scariness on ter- in terms of the zombie things. There wasn't a cool, like the cool boat thing was small. The Everything about it felt really rushed and really unimportant and really i never i there was no tension for me at any point in it Mm. there you know what i mean the whole that whole scene is so full of tension and quiet and i feel like the quick edits made it faster and it should have been something that was slow and tense and scary and when dumbledore is begging for his life it should have been really powerful and it just it was like yeah sure sure yeah sir i'm gonna do it and it was just done I don't yeah. know. It was so it was so disappointing because that scene is really good in the book. Yeah. Although you know what scene you know what scene in the movie is great. What scene? The point where Harry takes Felix Felicius. That, that scene is good. I was gonna. And he does I the will gift say that's of him going like this with his fingers. Yeah. That part's it's, good. It's just it's it's. It's very I think funny. It's funny. It's charming. It gets to the point of that scene. It encapsulates the feeling that you had in the book when you were reading that moment because it was so bizarre but funny and weird. It, like I just felt like in the way, and, and I will say that Daniel. I think Daniel Radcliffe is a better, at least at that age. I don't. I don't watch him as much stuff. Although Swiss Army Man is a very interesting movie, you should watch him in it. He's he's much better as a comedic actor in that than he is as a dramatic actor in the rest of the movie. I will say. I don't know. I just thought that was so charming and so. Funny. I thought he portrayed like 
him being under, not under, uh, well, like, like on a drug, quote unquote. Um, and he's not right. acting like himself. And I thought he was really funny. I was also going to say that any, in all of the scenes that Slughorn is in, I really enjoyed. Cause I thought. Yeah, Slughorn yeah. is good. Yeah. Well, he's, and uh, the, what's the name of that actor? He's so great. That actor, British actor. He's, um, uh. Uh, the Grand Maester from Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's also he's also the dad in Bridget Jones' Diary. He's also the the head the head police guy in Hot Fuzz. He's a great. He's yeah, a great like all the potion scene the were good. Like the scene where Ron yeah. is, almost dies is good. <laughs> I also <laughs> had the note that um, as the actress that plays Jenny is not good. Mm. Oh my god! I will say that that the. I, there was this moment, and I know that this sounds pandery or terrible or whatever, but when Harry goes into the bathroom and he sectumsembras Malfoy, they had more chemistry, and I felt like they should just like make out dreary. or something. Like that. <laughs> Harry, then Harry and Ginny did in the entire series. Yeah. It was so awkward watching, and it wasn't okay. So there's a difference between actually okay. There's a difference between awkward teenage romance portrayed and being charming and awkward teenage romance just being people who are don't have chemistry. This is so awkward. So, like, for instance, if you watch Spider-Man Far From Home, you see Tom Holland, you see Zendaya. They're so awkward, but it's so cute and so charming, and mm. it's very high school romance. we both this love is just, Tom Holland. No, but they're, they're genuinely a charming, like, couple with chemistry in that movie. And this is just every time that they interacted, I'm like, they don't know cringeworthy. Honestly, he and he and Tom fell in yeah, that scene. Was, I was like, yeah. oh my god, it they have not, so much chemistry compared to yeah. him and um, Bonnie, whatever her name is. I feel bad, Bonnie Wright. Sorry, Bonnie Wright. It's not your fault. Right, Bonnie Wright for sure. Can we talk about how um, hot the actor that plays was Cormac he? is, though? Who whom was also in Game of Thrones? Who was he in Game of Thrones? He was Sam's brother for like one episode before he got replaced by the huge dude. By the other dude who was in the Umbrella Academy. Yes. Yep. Yep. He was that dude. Cool, cool. Dickon. Yeah, he was very Thank hot. Um, uh, Dickon. Dickon. Um, can we also talk about um, <laughs> the stuff that Hermione had to get away from at the... Talking about how hot Cormac is. Apparently, Cormac was very handsy at the Christmas party, and that's just a joke. <laughs> I, I mean, we, I feel like we get really nitpicky about this movie, but there was the moment, you know, when they had the potions uh, laid out for them in Slughorn's class, and only the girls. And I guess this was in the book too, but it really went hard on the girls being about the yeah. And it, there was a lot of kind of sexist stuff that I was only the girls super like sneak cool up on it. With. Yeah. Um, that yeah. was a little not great. Yeah. And then at the, yeah, and the Christmas party, she's just like, I just now got away from him and she's like frazzled because her hair is like all out of place and stuff. I'm like, oh, he, that's cool. That's a good joke. Again, though, this movie set, good. set design wise yeah. and costume design wise was really pretty beautiful. Um, when I don't, again, you know, I don't care about Quidditch scenes, but the Quidditch scenes, their Quidditch outfits, the colors with the background, which I know was probably a lot of green screen, but it was also 
you know, taking countryside colors and these like browns and, and reds and oranges. It was really beautifully done. Um, whoever did the set production. So congratulations. I think set producer. they won a lot of like set design awards. It was really, yeah. it was, it was really stunning and they clearly paid a lot of attention to that. So um, let's each give, I don't think we've done this yeah. before. Um, zero out of 10. What is your score for the movie? Or we can rank them. Is But is it, is it, Oh, well, I think at the Just I feel like it. we probably have to rank all the movies once we get to parts. Uh. Oh my god! Next time we're gonna have to watch two parts. Yeah, should I we, think we're we gonna do two episodes yeah. for halfway through the two movies. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, but I mean, should like halfway through the series. Anyway, so I think we should do that at the end. We can next rank time. it, but you can give it a score zero to ten, zero out of ten. Zero out of ten. One zero out of ten. ten. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna give this. Oh. I don't know how much nostalgia and Harry Potter love should play into this, but if I just watch this movie apropos of nothing, I'd probably give it a four or five oh, out of Oh, I was going to say, I really hated the scene where, like I said, I like Bonnie Wright, but the, the scene where she takes him to the room of requirement, that was so terrible. Um, Michael, <laughs> hmm. what is your score? I... <sighs> Probably like a four. That's, I'm about a four, four or five. Um, if you disagree with us, please tweet at Thrifty Nerd or Her Lady Tompkins. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> but not me. It's hard. But not it's me. hard, especially. I watch. Which? What was your I score? Said four or five. Oh, so okay, you're in yeah, the same spot that we are. <laughs> That's fine. I watch a lot of movies. I can. You can deal with I it. I can get with it. Yeah, I can deal with it. She can deal with it. It was it was it was not as good Gosh. as I remember it being, and I don't think I've seen it since theaters, to be honest with you. But what you're gonna Harry do? Potter. The Felix Felicia scene was great. Woo. Woo. Anyway, uh, thanks, guys. We only have one more episode this season. No, that's, that's not true. Is that it not is true? true? It is true. How many do we have? It is true. It can't be. No, that's true. wrong. It is stop. Try to stop. Are you gaslighting? Yeah. Anymore? Obviously. Duh. 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 That's what I do. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening <laughs> and gaslighting me. I love it. Hey, folks, uh, we are going to read some reviews. Thank you so much. One of the most important things that you can do to help support a podcast, let's say you don't have lots of money to throw around for Kickstarters or whatever or your priorities. I get it. I'm with you. Um, one thing that you can do to help spread the word is give us reviews. And uh, we have a thing that pulls reviews from Apple Podcasts and from Stitcher. So um, if you review cool. us on one of those things, uh, we will read them on our podcast. Yeah. So thank you. And I'm going to start it. I'm going to start it off. This one is from Megan Flynn. And uh, she says, it's magic. Seriously, best podcast. Ooh. Thought my sister and I were the only Potterheads that liked to discuss all the plot holes and different themes throughout this amazing series. But nope. These three do an amazing job and deserve all the galleons. Well, at least enough to buy 142 wands. Why are wands so cheap? <laughs> Why are wands so cheap? We it's a great know. question. <laughs> Megan does good, not know good how. Good question. Um, shit works. 
Thank you, Megan. Thanks, Megan. Next one is by 20111990 from Canada. Good day, mate. And it says, <laughs> good day, mate. It says, absolutely love. I love Harry Potter, and this podcast has reignited my obsession. I started this podcast about six months ago, and I just caught up. Crying emoji, crying emoji. My problem now is I can't get into any other Potter podcast because none of them have Michael, Sarah, or Vajaya. Aw, so sweet. I just missed the Kickstarter deadline for book six, but I'll be ready for book seven. I'm determined to view the Quizich live stream at least least once. Heck yeah. Yeah, come see us. Someone's ready. Someone's ready for the Quizich live stream. But also the most terrifying (laughs) experience of my entire year usually. (laughs) Well, too, because the Quizit live, live show is also very terrifying. <sighs> I measure years differently than you. <laughs> this review says, fantastic! And it's by Torchlit Tavern from the United States of America. Maybe want to read the books all over again, but with their great summations and goofs, I don't have to. Oh, I mean, great books, you should do it, but also, we are pretty good at making up some summaries <laughs> that are... Pretty close to accurate. So thank you so much, Torchlet Tavern. I would go to a Torchlet Tavern and would enjoy myself immensely. It is by Team Slytherin. And go Slytherin. Go Snakes. And it says, it's back. Do you think they go by serpents or snakes? Just a question about Slytherin. You probably do either, right? I'm- Depending on your mood. Is it like serpents yeah. from Riverdale? They have like tattoos and stuff? Yeah. I don't know. I like it. So glad this podcast is back for another season. Quality content and great hosts. I can listen to episodes over and over and sometimes do. Keep up the awesomeness. And it's got a little snake. We don't. We A little snake emoji. Sorry, we're mean to Slytherin sometimes. We love Slytherins. Whenever we're mean to something, it's because we're jealous. Yeah, that's what the giant are jealous. None of us are. Wow. None of us are cool enough to be. None of us are cool enough to be Slytherins. Except when I we're am. mean to Michael, then we're just being No, you're genuine. jealous. Um, but Derek, can you read the next one? I will love this podcast, says Deirdre Sarah. Correct. I don't know. Deirdre Sarah? Yeah. Deirdre Sarah. Sure. I really enjoy this podcast as a revisit to Harry Potter. I recently Athens. moved to a new city for grad school. Congratulations. Good luck in your And this podcast has helped me so much with having something fun and lighthearted to listen to when I'm by myself, with it, which is a lot of time right now. Thank you all for this. You're welcome, and thank you for listening. Welcome. Yeah. We'll make you friends. Don't worry. You'll get there. You're a wizard, Harry! Harry's all caps, and I wanted to yell it <laughs> the way it's written because I liked it. This is from Kitty Cat Casey from the US of A. This is an excellent podcast. The hosts are hilarious. They have great knowledge of all the books. Yeah, that's kind of debatable. I'm adding that part. Play the Harry <laughs> Potter trivia. I play, or I play the Harry Potter trivia along with them. It is amazing. Give this a listen. You won't be disappointed. Oh, what a that nice is Kitty review. Cat Casey. Awesome. What a great review. 737373 from Canada. Good day, mate. Thank you. Good, good day, mate. Yes, that one. They say very good. A Yeti, Train Conductor, and Sarah yeah! Powell for a cup and recap. I'm the Train Conductor. And recap I'm each yeah, other. Yeah, I'm the Sarah Powell for a cup. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> recap each chapter of Harry Potter. It's helped me understand the movies better and given me more HP knowledge that has led 
to many conversations with friends. Thank you, myself. I realize I'm just children. a Sarah, but I'm I'm just incorporating into a whole battle for the cup. I like I, I like, like it. That's my that's my that's my identity now. I realize. Yeah. She does battle. Oh, this is going to be an interesting uh, name to try to announce. Just what an HB nerd. I almost said herd needs. Just what, God damn it. Just what an HB nerd needs by Codivid from the United States of America. Maybe it's Codwin. I think it's Codwin BD. Codwin BD. K A H D I Y D I Y. K-A-H-D-I-W-N-B-D. Like, Cod- Codwin. No big deal. Maybe it is. Sure. Who knows? After several other Geekly podcasts, I picked this up and am not disappointed. Thank you. Um, as a longtime Harry Potter fan, it's great to hear other people discuss the books I love so much. I enjoy interacting with it like I do game shows yelling the answers and facts <laughs> that I know at my I phone. bet you do that a lot. That would probably get wrong. You or we? <laughs> we probably get wrong. No, no, I, that was added by me that we probably oh, yeah, get yeah. wrong. That's, uh, yeah, so that's he's, they are yelling sure. at us. Yeah. Uh, this review says, Expecto Podcastum. I like it. That's a really good title. This is from Devin James from Canada. Good night, mate. Good night, mate. Uh, (laughs) The levity that the hosts bring to these sometimes dark and not overly exciting chapters, Quidditch chapters, that's a Sarah, that's a Sarah (laughs) add-on, week after week is infectious. But don't run to the medical wing or call on Madame Pomfrey just yet. The mix of the magical and the amazing world building accomplished from book to book, plus the segments and discussions about everything that turns up from the role, or that turns up from the role of economic factors on certain characters to how some creatures would behave or feel or look in real life is all-encompassing. I look forward to this podcast every week. I'm only sad that at some point these books will end and thus the podcast will too. <laughs> That's such a nice That really took me on a journey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I you cry. again, everybody, for those reviews. You are amazing. Cry. is Mitch Cahill. Our artwork was done by Jesse Carlton, and our music was done by Sean Fagan. I know you want to help us out, so why don't you head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And also, send us an email so we can talk to you. You can do that by emailing us at potterpod at geeklyinc.com. Hey, I know you all want to keep talking to us, so find us on Twitter at potterpod. I'm Michael, and you can find me at 13nerd. I'm Sarah, and you can find me at Her Lady Tompkins. And I'm Bajaya, and you can find me at I Think Ninja. 